When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to After the Deluge. I'm Justin Cox. This episode is about five specific non-album songs that Bright Eyes released on EPs and splits before the record lifted. All of them are pretty heavy, and our guest today navigates them gracefully. There is a wide range of Bright Eyes fans who are listening to this, and so if you're casual, you probably haven't heard any of these songs. If you are in the middle, you probably heard the first three from the EP. And if you're full-on diehard, like our guest today, you've heard all five. Um, But he speaks eloquently about all of them. And after having this conversation, it's very clear to me that there's no talking about this person's uh, full career of music without talking about this period and these songs. My guest today is Justin Corwin, who hosts a show called The Deep Dive on YouTube and also knows a whole bunch about Bright Eyes, as you're about to find out. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Routine Layup. Enjoy these five songs from split records and EPs that feel a lot bigger than that as you listen to them. And thank you to Justin for uh, subtly convincing me to make this episode. Thank you for coming on this. So I've been sharing, I try not to overshare, overblast these things. I'm kind of like self-conscious about that, but I like to, it's like, Me too. put a new episode of this thing out. I'm going to drop it on the Bright Eyes subreddit and then I go on and I'll engage with people there. And, and um, I hope I get 10 likes and six views out of it. <laughs> I'll yeah, call that a success and move yeah. on to the, on to the next one. But, but like, it is fun to engage with people there. If people talk about it and you, you asked a very benign and innocent question, which is, are you going to talk, do episodes about the EPs and all the various other stuff? Cause there's a lot yes. of it. And it's like, uh, when I went about thinking about making this there, it's like border, it's like necessary stuff. And it's like, and it's not only EPs and singles and stuff. It's like, solo connor oberst records and disaparecidos records and where do you draw the line yeah what do you do what do you do and so so it just sort of in my mind was like just draw the simple line draw the line just do the albums just go and and i but but what i also said was i have like a kind of like a little extra list of like at some point i'll do an episode about the intro tracks of all of them and some other things like that so it's like i had i had the allowed the gray area for some like shorter episodes between them and as i went about talking to you on there it's like This is like my own inner monologue. Like you got, you can't ignore, you can't just ignore these, you know? Especially these particular ones, because this is so in tune to Connor's journey with mental health and, and, and the audience's connection with that. Um, That's why I push so hard. If it was the later EPs, I might've not said anything, but I appreciate you. (laughs) I mean, you didn't even pitch it as like a, let me come talk about this. It just was Yeah, yeah, just... It just was like, please, you talk about it, please. Well, well, shit, we should probably talk about this. And, and, uh, one thing I love, like I work for like, I do communications for like a Marine science organization and I'm not a scientist. And there was a period where I tried to like 
pretend to be as scientifically smart as scientists in the rooms I was in. It was miserable. And then I, (laughs) and then I liberated myself from like, wait, those people don't know how to talk about the work they're doing. I'll be the person who helps them talk about it. And then just, I don't need to pretend this. And so I don't know, it's, which leads me into like that point you're making. This is a, the, there's the mental health period at this like really young age. And then tell me a little bit about, you talked about like, this was part of the culture of what Saddle Creek records and those bands were doing. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting period because what you're going to see, you know, we have five songs we've picked, you know, I think the title you're going to go with is the every day and every night EP. That's going to be the main draw for folks. But I actually think a lot of the audience clicking on this might discover the other two songs we're going to talk about, which is kind of, these songs only exist on these kind of split EPs. And one of them is super rare. Um, the Joy yeah. of Forgetting, Joy of Acceptance, that only came out on the In Sound Tour series, which is like, it came out on Saddle Creek, but they had a parent label. The parent label paid for these, these 1,000 copies only. 500 went to the band. 500 went on their website. And that's how they treated all of these. And I think, especially in that early era for Saddle Creek, they're kind of going, we have no exposure we could barely sell enough t-shirts to, to fund this tour. What else can we sell at the merch tables? <laughs> well, I got, I got these four songs. Well, let's put these four songs on a label. Hey, we don't have any money to put out another EP. All right. Well, in sound tour is going to pay for it. Right. And then they attach it to other bands in Saddle Creek, which is kind of that whole thing of we're not just bright eyes. We're not just cursive. Right. We're not just the mainstay. We are Saddle Creek we are a family and we are doing things together to lift each other up, which builds into, you know, I think the bright eyes ethos later with lifted talking about how his friends are pulling him out of darkness. Connor saw himself is also pulling them out of darkness in a sense. And I think they all saw it together financially and as a label. Um, Cause this is all born out of the, the discord ethos with DC hardcore you know, Fugazi might be the tip of the spear, but Fugazi isn't going anywhere without the other bands to champion. That Tim Casher conversation was like sort of dreamlike because it to hear to talk to a person in that, and you're like, there's a there's a real uh, human impulse toward jealousy and stuff like that 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 yeah. can exist, you know. And this was just yes, seems yeah. so so purely like, let's go, boy, let's do it. The way I see them too, that was his little brother. It's easy to dismiss it, but during this time, the time period we're talking about, they had no no one knocking on their door to put them on TV. No, no one's shooting a video for them. They really had to lift themselves up, and that's what this is all about. And that's why these two EPs, that's why I think Connor put such strong songs on these two EPs, is to yeah. lift to lift up the other bands, but also sell the audience on the fact that it's not just albums that you need to be buying. It's true. There are, there are songs on fevers and mirrors and lifted that are like, Hmm, that one sounds like the EP song, not a perfect sonnet or whatever. Like, yeah, you're right. Those are, these are strong songs and, and, and they're well recorded. They're not just like busted demos or anything, but all right. So let's start with every day and every night EP. The three we're going to talk about on that. This is three of the five are from this EP. Um, A line allows progress, which opens it a perfect sonnet and Neely O'Hara. Sitting around, no work today. Try pacing to keep awake. 
Laying round, no school today. Just drink until the clock is circled all the way. First of all, it's like the last Bread as release that doesn't start with the freak out, the shake off, the casual audience, mm-hmm. right? It's a it's a real song, you know, mm-hmm. like a real song that a, a casual listener would go, oh yeah, I can listen to this. Um, by the way, I love the Bread as freakouts. Um, so do I. The other interesting part is it's a, it's a true duet. A lot of times Bread as has guest singers come on, but in this case, he's trading off verses with another singer. It's Joe Knapp who is the lead singer of what Sun Ambulance. Yep. That's the band that's on the EPs that we're talking about that split it. But he was also the drummer on this EP. I love that Connor brought him in because it's such a personal song. <laughs> something really affecting when you're hearing something sort of personal and confessional but two people trading you know it's like ooh, yeah. you you like let someone else in the room if i had a complaint about this the the series we're about to do these five songs it's very one note <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's very much um about dealing with depression dealing with drug abuse drug abuse and crawling out of it um and the whole EP kind of stays in that spot. The only glimmer outside of it is a perfect sonnet, which kind of puts a, it kind of gives a, not excuse, but a, a reason for the depression, which is where he talks about his heartbreak and, and how he's dealing with that. But the other songs and including this one, it's very tied into that. I'm struggling with depression. I'm also struggling with drug, drug abuse and I'm stuck in this cycle. Um, you know, what Connor talks about in Sunrise Sunset is that kind of manic depression. Drug abuse fuel, fuels those kind of highs and lows as well. And I think the title of this song really captures that. A line is progress, a circle is not, right? Yeah. And, uh, the circle is the cycle. It's that cycle of getting high to get high, but then when it bottoms out, when the drugs leave your system, you're at the lowest you, you've ever had. And the song starts with him not even being able to get out of bed. But thank God there's no work today. There's no school today. Yeah. And he can, he can deal with, deal, you know, get through that. But, but I like that ethos of like, yeah, it's really personal to that moment, but he's got a friend here to sing about it with him. I love that. Um, And, and as you talk, like we talk about, like, there is this like sort of more jubilant feeling on lifted and all these people together. And, and but you yeah. get that, you get that final like personal verse on let's not shit ourselves that yeah. you're kind of in the moment. You're like, this guy's, this guy's young as hell. What's he talking about? And it's kind of like the answer to that question is these, 
these EPs, it seems like. Like, yes, that's yeah. the time he's talking about. I, I think a lot of us are kind of used to like a two year cycle between albums, but we have to, you have to really consider the fact that how much this early period for Connor, it's very condensed. I mean, he wrote the songs for Lifted just a couple years after this, this, these songs. And that's all in this, this time frame that a lot of us, and we're talking 18 to 21, <laughs> a lot of us went through a lot of changes very quickly. Um, and he was able to, because he, he already grew as a songwriter to like an A-list songwriter so young, he was able to capture that churn, that that's young it. churn at such a high level that it resonates even with me now that I'm older, because I'm just so blown away that he was able to capture that. So, and articulate it so well, it's that's, amazing. That's true. We're, we're all feeling extra at that time. And, uh, to, I think your sister let's, let's transition to perfect sonnet seamlessly the way they kind of do on that EP. Yes, um, yeah. and it's really funny. You like played, you, you have this YouTube video where you're talking to your sister about that song, younger sister. Yes. And uh, it's so, so often she goes back to like, to be feeling and processing and moving through that period of her life with the ability to take it and and do this with it. It's just, it's, it's impressive and amazing. And I, and actually like the first season of this podcast was about Jackson Brown and the night that yeah. I, the, the night, the reason the night that I decided to make that podcast was me on his Wikipedia page as one does like after some drinks and like realizing like, Oh, his first five albums are not scattered through the seventies. It's 72, 73, 74. These are three of the best albums I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. There's 30, yeah. there's 28, 30 songs on this. How do you do that? How do you do right. it? And it's a similar right. young person, just able to, able to get that down in a way that's confessional and creative and not corny. And I don't know. I've been wishing I had one desire Something that would make me never want another Something that would make it so that nothing mattered All would be clear then But I guess I'll have to settle for a few brief moments And watch it all dissolve into a single second And try to write it down into a perfect song A one full I think with the young mindset, there's a little bit of lack of self-awareness, self-editing, which I think you've commented on previous episodes. Um, I think that fuels it too. That That's what helps make some artists more distinct. Yeah, I, I like what you said about on my channel, we did a tribute to A Perfect Sonnet. I introduced my, my sister, who's 12 years younger than me, introduced her to Bright Eyes um, when she was in fifth grade. And she loved it. I mean, it was one of the first bands she really grappled onto and it's become her favorite band. And it makes me so damn happy, (laughs) but, but it is, it is interesting to go back and listen to that song for both of us because we're both older and both of us can recognize that song's a 20 out of 10. It's an iconic, it's an iconic explosion of emotion even though we both grew out of that feeling because it's so, it's so wrapped into kind of a more inexperienced, inexperienced mind. I think you and Ian Cohen talked a little bit about, and I related to both of you. How did you find bright eyes? Well, this girl that I was into that I was friend zone kind of gave me, like I, I almost have the exact same experience, not quite the same thing, but that was definitely the mindset I was in. That is, that is the, the perfect song for that, for the way you feel in that moment. 
Um, cause yeah. like I was at the same time, like we talked, Ian and I talked about dashboard confessional and we talked about like, um, there was this band, yeah. something corporate that had this like nine minute piano song called Constantine. Yeah, I know that. that. I know that song. Yeah. I listened to it. <laughs> I liked it. I felt it. If I listen to that, it, it is absolutely embarrassing to me, to me now, really cringy. Absolutely. And I felt that way. I felt that way about that. I mean, I don't want to burn. I don't want to unnecessarily burn some random drive-through records band on this. There's no need to do that. But like, yeah. I, what was it? What was cool about this is like, okay, I don't feel the way I feel about a perfect sonnet necessarily in that moment. But that never aged away in that way. Like the song never faded, receded away. And I think that partly is because like, that's partly because of what Fevers and Mirrors is and partly of what Lifted would be and then what would happen. It, it didn't it didn't just sit and circle around in that little spot. It went so yeah. many different places from there. And I think that plays a role. That period of Saddle Creek is so it's so undocumented. So I, I, I took the crappiest footage of young Connor because mm-hmm. that's to me, that song is that's young Connor. You have to see it in that context. You know, I, I, I talked to like some older friends who come into Bright Eyes for, with I'm awake, I'm wide awake, it's morning. They don't get perfect sonnet. They just they just yeah, yeah. don't get it. But I'm like, you have to see it in the context. Uh, it's a young kid. Other songs we're going to talk about today, they're tied to drug abuse, depression. These are things that people struggle with in their whole life. A perfect sonnet is kind of something a lot of people, you know, get past. But I, but I do want to point out, like, if you see it in the right context, it can still be as powerful. I'm now 40 years old. It still gives me chills if I let it, you know. I'm going to link, I'm going to link to the YouTube video we're talking about in the description for this. So if you want some more perfect sonnet in your life, that's, you should go there. Uh, Neely O'Hara is one that I'm, I'm really interested in talking about because I I know, I know this EP I've listened to this EP plenty and I, but I, I don't, I, I've seen, I've been to Bright Eyes shows twice, both on Casa Dega tour, which is weird, but. um, I saw them in Casa Dega tour too. That was my first time seeing them. Yep. I'm I'm watching because I've joined that subreddit and stuff and I've started making this. So I've kind of paid attention in a way that I hadn't paid attention prior. This song is like on set lists a lot. It's sometimes a finale or encore. It's this song matters a lot to people. Um, yes. I don't know. I want to I want to get at I want to get at why that is. And I like the song a lot, but it doesn't it doesn't jump off to me as something that would be that. Don't know how to describe that. <laughs> Someone paints your mirror 
for us Bright Eyes fans that think Digital Ash is one of the best things that that group has ever put out, this song's a big deal because you can't get the Digital Ash greatness that often in the Bright Eyes canon. And this is this is one of those early songs that captures the earlier angst in that mode. I mean, if you think about the the musical backdrop of it, it sounds like spinning plates. Yeah, spinning plates from Radiohead. Years before Radiohead went down that that journey and was rewarded uh, so heavily, uh, you know, in the pitchfork circles as well. I think a lot of people struggling with those feelings, struggle with depression, struggling with drug abuse. They feel very isolated. And oftentimes they reach out to literary characters to connect with. Connor does that here. It's something that Tim Kasher does in his later Cursive Records, um, bringing in a literary uh, figure to kind of represent and connect to a wider audience. And, and it's something that everyone kind of connects to. I think there's a, there's a huge audience out there that loves Valley of the Dolls, loves the, that character. And Connor connecting that character's journey in, or descent, I should say, um, and kind of spelling out, this is what's going to happen to him. It's the musical backdrop. It is that side of Bright Eyes that I think they've lost a little bit in, in their later albums. Um, I still love their later albums, so I'm not a hater. Believe me, I love yeah. them. But uh, but I love that side of Bright Eyes, that kind of glitchy electronica, homemade electronica side of them. I love that, and I worship I worship Mike Bogus for that kind of stuff. I think yeah. Digital Ash is, uh, that's a big reason why I think it's one of their best albums. It seems like when this song really popped off, like in terms of live YouTube videos, is that Digital Ash tour with, with I think, like the faint guys and stuff. Absolutely. So, all right. So now we're going to the uh, obscure one you mentioned earlier, In Sound Tour Support number 12, which sounds like about the most fake thing in the world. Um, yeah, it does, doesn't it? And the song on that we're talking about is Joy in Forgetting, Joy in Acceptance. There's a cat in the window of the house of my lover Well, she sleeps there alone now Or perhaps with another oh, I try not to think about that I try not to think at all I get cocaine from her. my girl I met And my brother buys me alcohol And I stay up on my walking through these houses I have to run to hate And my parents at that point where he was going to end himself and i know that he talks about that a lot with other songs but i think here here he sonically grasps that despair the ugliness of it and then when it drifts into the prettier side the piano ballad and him telling his mother how he feels and how he wants to end himself 
And I, I know a lot of people like accuse Connor of like putting putting it on with the emotion emotional singing. I would dare anyone to tell me that he doesn't sound authentic on that song. It, his voice is quavering to the point of it sounds like he really is crying. Um, to me, I listen to a lot of bands that write a lot of write a lot to speak to this this thing. The, it, going from rock bottom, trying to find some light and growing out of it. And I love I love those bands for it. The Pumpkins are one for me. But here, I don't know if I've ever heard a song that perfectly captures that rock bottom. And the fact that someone who has lived on wrote that song and put it out there makes it even that more powerful because he's showing folks that you can get past it. So, yeah. like, you know, I I've this <laughs> I don't know how deep you want me to get with like my personal side about this, but suicide is something that's haunted my family my whole life. I've had four, four suicides in, in my, uh, in my personal family. Um, going back to when I was five to, you know, years apart, but you know, about yeah. four years ago, I had, had the latest one. And so yeah. it's something that's always been there in my life. And any band that talks about that, that thing I've always been drawn to. And I love that Connor, I don't know of any other song that captures what that could feel like in those that final day better than the song and the Gosh. fact that Con- connor is still here today makes it that so amazing it's, you can you can ex- experience expression of that type of dire moment without the personal experience you have or the elliot smith of it all type exactly type or li- right? or listening to joy division the last song that ian wrote i mean those are those are great powerful songs but it's not powerful in this way because you are connecting with them at that bottom level, but you are listening to an artist who got past it. So it yeah. becomes that much more powerful to me. Something you talk about the lines about his, about his mom, there's a, oh, a yeah. recurring, a recurring thing and everything from the way he writes about sadness and aspiring toward joy and disappointment and everything. And you hear about, there, there's you hear mention of his family or this almost apologetic or references to his brothers and his mom and his dad that are kind of oh yeah. really affecting really feels yeah. authentically conf- confessional like i don't feel uh, it's not good how i feel right now and i am sorry i'm feeling that way because of how that then makes you feel <laughs> You wanted to die So 
recent album uh you know down in the weeds he has he mixes this in a lot of uh sound clips of him having a conversation that's his mom he's oh, talking cool. to uh, sometimes um they're on mushrooms according to connor <laughs> having having a weird conversation but it, it's clear that they're a big part of his life and i connect with that because despite all the darkness in my life and and all of the hard times i expressed my mom provided such a light of hope uh, in my life. And it, it was a spark that allowed me to lift other friends who were dealing with darker problems out of darkness. Um, so I connect I, that. I appreciate you sharing this song and that the, the kind of storylines out of the tours that are happening now, a few weeks ago and stuff like that. Oh, does it, yes, does it, yes. does, yeah. does, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to, like I said, I don't want to like interpret or assume anything. Cause it's like immediately these shows are going great again, but I know that as a person making this podcast, I had my brief moment of like, is is this, this just feels like a thing I want to be sensitive to, you know? I think it's fair to say, this, I mean, look at, just look at the album. Forget about the tour for a second. Just look at the album that Brenda has just put out. Connor is talking about death in so often and sincerely, it connects very deeply to this period of his life. Half of the songs on Down the Weeds, he's talking about his own death. Um, yeah, it, things got really bad for him in the last couple of years. And I think, I know you want to be sensitive to it because it's happening currently. Yeah. Um, but you have, I mean, it, when you get to that, um, I hope you do point that out just a, a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. So much of this is dealing with mortality and he hasn't gotten that space for many years and it connects to this era. The songs, the songs and the music and the, and everything like that. I, I intend to go all the way on that just in the. I don't want to like interpret news stories and stuff like that. That's yeah, all I, mean, I hear you know? it. I hear it. All right. Let's uh, bounce to what we got next, which is Oh, Holy Fool, Sun Ambulance, um, Beep Splitty P. And the song here is No Lies, Just Love. And uh, I think you, this isn't my, this isn't my commentary. I think you said it, but this really, like you watch this thing bend right out of this rough, this rough period, rough, like he's trivializing the word actually, but like, into something more either happy or aspirationally happy, you know, um, and celebratory and everything. And it, it was kind of, a, I mean, this is a very, very, very confessional song. You know, this is yes. like, yeah. this is a straight, this is a diary entry, you know? Absolutely. It so directly feels like someone's line by line diary. It, it reminded me of this conversation I had with, the writer Stephen Hyden was talking about like differentiating Jackson Brown from like the Bob Dylans and the Neil Youngs who are these kind of like tap a moment abstractly and make create a feeling. And it's, a, yes. Yeah. And he was saying like, I don't see Jackson Brown as that way. I see him as like a diarist. And I was like, yes, okay, yeah, I, do, yeah. I do see him as a, he is a diarist. Yeah. This is like, these are stories of him, you know, and there can, it is that. And I think that's true of Conor Oberst. It's probably something that attracts me to both of them. In the march of the winter, I turned 17. And I bought those pills. I thought I 
song we just talked about because it's a bit of a piano ballad so yeah. like listening to those songs back to back i encourage everyone to do that because i see those it's a sequel it's a sequel to that previous song we talked about and they, he spends the first half recapping that period of his life um talking about how he was ready to die he wrote a note he didn't want to he didn't want to wither away and be seen as the fucking wreck quote fucking wreck that he is he wants to be remembered for the smiling face that he was when he was younger um and then he's telling his brother that he's going to end it which his brother's name's justin so i don't know if that makes an impact on you it made a big impact on me because i was a fan of connor for a long time before i heard this song i had no idea he had a brother named justin so hearing my name in the song it hit really hard. If you all if you all haven't connected these dots, this is a couple of Justins talking. Yeah, about yeah. Them. I'm Justin. That's Justin. But I've I've been there and I've I've had these conversations with people over the years, um trying to get them to not end themselves. I've been in that spot. I and I have never said this to them, but I will say this. <laughs> because this is a brother talking to a brother. If my sister came to me. And told me that she wanted to end herself. I think I would say the exact same thing. What his brother says to Connor in this song. Of course it's your decision. But just so you know. If you were to do that. I would quickly follow. So I gave myself. Salvation, it came quite suddenly when Justin spoke very plainly. He said, Now, of course, it's your decision, but just so you know, if you decide to leave, soon I Man, that's heavy stuff because that's really I, heavy. Yeah, that's... it's really heavy. It's it's like um, for me, I've always been the, the strength, right? I've never had suicidal thoughts, but like I couldn't imagine my sister if my sister did that, 
that might be that might be a whole different ball game for me. So it's super heavy, right? But then he switches from that super heavy depressing thing, and he does it. He does it for a child who's not even born yet. And um, I love this side of Connor too. I mean, he talks about it um, at um, the last song on Fever and Mirrors. What's that song called? A song to pass the time. A song to pass the time. And he sings about um, kids who speak Spanish. And I love them. Why do I love them? This this whole thing of just Connor just loving little kids, <laughs> it, it kind of runs through and it builds up to, you know, True Blue, which I mentioned is is the, the sequel to this song, the trilogy of this song. And I'll tell you why in a second. Um, he decides to live, not for his own kids, because he's still not convinced yet that he'll have his own kids, but for the unborn child of his brother. My brother's first child I hope that womb's not too warm Cause it's cold out here And it will be quite a shock To breathe this air To discover loss So I'd like to make some changes Before you arrive so when your new eyes meet mine, they won't see no lies. Just love. Just love. I will be pure. No, 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 I will be pure. Like snow. feel about the way you're feeling how your brother feels about how you're feeling how yeah. the unborn baby of your brother fe- is going to feel about the, like it's very uh how do you put it like you could you could see this as like someone being very dramatic and and making uh pu- public their problems or whatever that perspective of like thinking about the people around you and the baby that's not born yet that's like that's a processing that is act is very selfless. That's very for someone who's accused of being narcissistic. That is is a very selfless message to put out there. Um, and I love Mike Mogus putting in a little bit of the electronica on the second half and how it kind of builds up. And I love that Connor Connor's singing with such emotion, but it's not pain. It's a little pain, but it's kind of more triumphant when he's singing like snow, like gold. Um, that's powerful it's as powerful as any like um you know especially pumpkins tonight tonight believe in me as i believe in you it's so epic and grand and it and it it brings the listener in in a positive way guarantee 
that that Connor has saved people's lives. I would bet the song is is one of those that did it for a lot of people. And I will love any artist who could pull that off. Well, thank you for the tour of these songs. I, I will say straight up, I've, I've heard the uh, um, Every Day and Every Night EP songs plenty, had not yeah. heard Joy and Forgetting, Joy and Acceptance at all, and had only minimally heard No Lies, Just Love. So, Yes, uh, and it's the perfect transition from The Fever and Mirrors to Lifted, which is, I mean, that, that album's got Bowl of Oranges, which is one of the most optimistic songs I've ever heard. I love it. Life affirming that song. It's one of my favorite songs. The sound of pure happiness. It's very. Absolutely. So in what way is true blue, the third part of the trilogy for that? If you are enjoying this series, rate it, review it, share it with a friend, go to patreon.com slash after the deluge to support the creation of the show. And if you want some extra cool stuff, true blue is the song that he wrote. For that unborn child that he was saying about and no lies, uh, just love. That child was born eventually. Connor met that child, asked him, I'm going to write a song for you. What do you want me to write about? Well, my favorite color is blue. So he wrote true blue for that kid. Sweet. That that he wrote about saving his life when he was young. Um, and then later, you know, Con- you can see it on YouTube. There's a couple clips of Connor singing true blue to a bunch of kids in the audience. Um it amazing love that amazing well thank you for bringing all of this to this show it's a good addition it's a um i feel i can with a clear conscience move on and go celebrate lifted with the rest of bright eyes um, please do it's my favorite record by them i uh, have a great time <laughs> mine too um yes, yes. the uh all right so you're you're the tell tell us what you do on the deep dive youtube channel i have a normal job so part-time i have a i have a youtube channel called the deep dive um Typically speaking, I'm the, the main host. I have some co-hosts. My sister's one of them. My best friend's another one. And we do deep dives. We've done Bright Eyes. I've done two Cursive. Cursive's one of my favorite bands as well. Introducing my baby sister to Cursive these past couple of years. But it's really getting to the context behind these songs. And usually I'm introducing it to my co-hosts. They're reacting for the first time. I'm giving the context, much like I did here. Yeah. Uh, you're doing top 50 smashing pumpkins. Is that working in a way that's do do you have that top 50 already yes. in your mind yeah. and you're revealing them one by one? Or do, do we know what I mapped it out three years ago? I'm, I'm not revealing it. We're going chronologically through the albums, much like you're doing on your channel. So we're on we're about at the halfway point. We're second disc in melancholy. You know, we, we got a door machina to do. So, yeah, we're only at the halfway point, which should tell you I love the whole thing. <laughs> yeah there's a there's a special place in the world for people who love the full smashing pumpkins discography yes, sir Absolutely. i can't i i you know i probably could stand to be persuaded more because i i i didn't keep going i had a roommate that same year when i was in college listening to the listening to lifted and stuff that was big smashing pumpkins and big adore and machina yeah. and yeah I don't know if I would have got to Love and Bright Eyes if I hadn't loved In the Arms of Sleep by the Smashing Pumpkins so intensely when I was a young man. So that'll be, I'll throw that out as I can uh, re-listen to that. You'll, I think you'll see what I mean. <laughs> I'm, go, I'm going directly to it right after this. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. Uh, and so people can find that YouTube channel. At- if you in YouTube, look up the deep dive, Smashing Pumpkins, you'll find me right away. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. This has been fun. Seven.
Nah.